Welcome to this special episode of The Motherhood Metamorphosis. I'm your host, Brittany Ming, and this week I'll be reading my fictional account of what I think the first Christmas may have looked like if Mary had written down her birth story for all of us to read. I wrote this three-part story in 2017, though it had been in my mind since my youngest son, Elijah, was born in 2014. His birthday is just two days before Christmas, and while I was pregnant with him, I just couldn't help think about Mary, about what it must have been like for her as a woman to give birth to Jesus. What did she feel? How did the birth go? Did she really give birth in a dark, cold barn surrounded by animals with only Joseph to assist? This is a work of fiction, but it's based on the biblical accounts in Matthew and Luke, as well as a lot of research I did on ancient Middle Eastern culture and hospitality practices. And I really came up with a very different narrative than the one we're so used to seeing in our modern Christmas culture, where Mary is this pristine, clean, unruffled person dressed in blue and white with no hint of a belly and her arms crossed over her chest, kneeling beside a wooden manger. So this is quite a different Christmas story than the one you may have heard before, or that's been portrayed in our culture through paintings, Christmas songs, and nativity scenes. But I hope that this unsanitized, real, and authentic birth story will inspire you to view not only Mary in a new way, but your own motherhood as well, as you move through your own metamorphosis and spiritual journey. So welcome to part one of Mary's story. I remember the first birth pang, so different from the tightenings I had been feeling for the past weeks when we were traveling to Bethlehem, and I was so worried that I would have the baby right there on the side of the road. Joseph was equally nervous. Every time I placed my hand on my belly, he asked anxiously, Is it your time? I always raised my shoulders and eyebrows in question, a half-smile and grimace on my face as the pressure passed. You'll know when your time comes, an older woman in our caravan told us one night. As we sat by the fire, Joseph had just asked the question again as I pressed my hand to my belly as another tightening gripped me. Is this your first? The woman asked as she ladled stew into a wooden bowl and handed it to me. I nodded. You'll know, she said, nodding along with me. I've had seven, but oh, with my first every little twinge, I wondered, is it time? Is it time? I laughed, and she patted my knee in a motherly way, making my heart ache with missing my own mother. She was in our caravan, but had kept her distance from me from the moment I told her about the baby. I didn't know it hurt more, the fact that she would not be present when I gave birth or that she didn't believe that I was telling the truth about how the baby came to grow inside of me. The woman tucked a silvery strand of hair back into her headdress as she leaned over the pot to stir the stew. Your body is getting ready right now with those tight feelings, that pressure. She handed a bowl to Joseph. It won't be long now. I just hope he waits till we get to Bethlehem, I sighed, carefully sipping the hot broth. Two more days, love, Joseph murmured. I sighed again heavily, shifting my weight and trying to get comfortable on the hard ground, despite the thick blanket Joseph had folded up for me to sit on. The end of the journey, nearly a hundred miles from our home in Nazareth, could not come soon enough. 
I mentally fought against bitterness at Caesar for forcing this census at such an inopportune time, at least for me. Not everything is about you, Mary, I heard my mother's voice in my mind. The longing for her became even more acute. She had guided my character so carefully, so faithfully, leading me towards love and selflessness in my words and actions. My thoughts were another story, but I tried, oh, how I tried to honor her and honor the God she had taught me to love. But this me, this child heavy within me, was beyond even her great faith. He said this child is to be the Messiah, Mama, the Son of the Most High. Even as I said the words out loud, words that I believed with all my heart to be true, I knew how foolish I sounded. Who do you think you are, Mary? Do you think you are the first woman who has been delusional enough to think she will give birth to the Messiah? What about Joseph? You have ruined us, brought shame on this family. God will curse you for this sin. Tears filled my eyes as I thought about our fight. Her words cut me to my very soul, especially after I had had such an encouraging visit with our cousin Elizabeth, who affirmed my mysterious pregnancy without question. I hastily wiped the tears from my cheeks with the back of my hand, but not before Joseph noticed. Mary, what is it? He crouched beside me, taking my hand in his, his brown eyes full of concern. I quickly shook my head and smiled wobbly. Nothing. It's... I'm just tired. But my smile collapsed and the tears came in as I bowed my head over his hand clasped over mine in my lap. Tired. Tired of so many things. Of this endless dirty road. Of the stupid census. Of the estrangement between me and my beloved mother. Of the side glances and whispers behind cupped hands. Of the gossip and judgmental stares at my growing belly these last nine months. And of being so heavy, so awkward, so achy, so pregnant. Joseph gathered me into his arms and I cried on his shoulder. I know, Mary, I know, he whispered into my ear. I cried harder because he did know. And every day I sway between overwhelming gratitude to God for this wonderful man who married me, even though I was pregnant before our wedding night and shame that I had brought him into the circle of divine scandal, into stares and whispers and tisks and shaken heads. He was an upstanding and blameless man in our community. He didn't deserve judgment. And yet here he was sharing this burden with me. No, not burden, blessing, I reminded myself. And yet I often felt like our father Israel, blessed by God to be the father of a new nation, and yet burdened with crushing trials as he sought to follow the Lord. Joseph kissed my forehead and leaned back from our embrace, looking me in the eyes as the firelight reflected off my wet face. It's almost over, he murmured, brushing a rough thumb over my cheek. We're almost there. The babe will be here soon too. You can do this. I nodded, taking a deep, shaky breath and swallowing hard. He smiled slightly, looking deep into my eyes. God is with us. I squeezed his hand hard and bit my lip, willing myself not to cry again, but not from exhaustion or worry. God is with us. It had become a secret pledge between us, a phrase of hope and strength and mystery. It was a phrase that had sealed our love and commitment to one another. 
As Joseph kissed my forehead again and told me that he was going to check on his father and brothers in the caravan, I repeated the four words over and over again to myself, remembering everything that had happened between Joseph and me in the last few months. I remember the day I told him I was pregnant. I was bolstered by Elizabeth's encouragement and steadfast faith, and yet when we met in the marketplace that day after I returned from my three-month visit with my cousin, my voice and hand shook when I told him, I'm pregnant. His lips hardened to a flat line and his brown eyes, always so warm when he looked at me, were startlingly blank, like he was looking at a stranger. I stumbled over my words, speaking too quickly as I told him about the angel and how he said I was favored, chosen to be the mother of the Son of God. I blushed when I told him that it was true, that I had missed my courses the last four months. His eyes darted to my hand on my slightly rounded belly, and then his eyes met mine again, and my heart broke into a million shards of white-hot glass. I saw disgust disbelief, betrayal, grief, and rage in his eyes as he blinked back tears. I snatched at his hand as he started to turn away, not caring that we were in a public place. Joseph, please, no, don't go. I beg you, please, please believe me. But he pulled his hand out of my grasping fingers and pushed his way through the midday market crowd. I fell to my knees in that dusty road, my legs collapsing beneath the weight of this impossible loss. I clutched the front of my dress and bowed over my knees, weeping. Oh God, I'm so alone. I said yes to you. Please, please let him believe me. Let him say yes to this baby too. I don't even remember how I got home from the market. I had never prayed so fervently, nor cried so much, nor felt so despondent. The day only got worse because my mother asked why I was crying and I told her, everything. And my beautiful, soft-spoken mother, who had never raised a hand or voice to me, wept and raged, screamed in incredulous disbelief, and wept some more. And then my father came home for dinner. It was the worst day of my life, and I honestly feared my life would be over soon, because do you know what happens to young Jewish girls who get pregnant outside of marriage? I did. All that night I cried and I prayed and I thought about Elizabeth and how she had declared that I was blessed among women, crafted a song of praise to the Lord, writing my own psalm like David to express the joy and amazement that filled my heart. That night I tried to remember the words, my soul, my soul magnifies, but my attempts at reviving my song of faith dissolved into more tears. I finally fell asleep, curled on my side, my arms wrapped helplessly around my growing belly. I awoke to a knock on the door, and when I opened my eyes, I realized it was mid-morning. I sat up in alarm, wondering why my mother hadn't woken me. And then I closed my eyes at the pounding headache that began behind my temples and the rush of memories from the day before. Yes, she's here, I heard my mother say. I hastily tried to smooth my stringy, salt-encrusted hair back from my face as I heard her footsteps on the stair to our sleeping chamber. Joseph is here to see you, she said softly, not meeting my eyes. My heart pounded so hard that my chest literally ached. 
I would have wept again, but I had spent all my tears last night. I felt dried up, barren, even as the babe grew in my womb. I shakily pulled on my outer tunic, tied my headdress over my messy hair, and went downstairs. I'll be outside, my mother murmured as she slipped out of the door. I stared after her as she left, my eyes wide and my heart pounding even harder. As a betrothed couple, we had never been left alone before. It was against tradition and respectability. I suppose she doesn't care about propriety anymore now that she thinks I'm defiled. I sighed heavily as I turned to Joseph, inviting him to sit with a silent hand. I offered him some refreshment, darting about the room, trying to avoid his eyes. Mary, he said quietly, and I felt his hand on my wrist. Please sit. I did, still avoiding his gaze. Then he took my hand, lacing his fingers through mine, and a jolt of shock shot through my body. He swallowed hard, twice, as I searched his eyes. Speak, say something, I mentally begged him, but I felt a thrill of hope as his fingers tightened on mine. I had a dream last night, he began. His voice broke, and he looked away from me for a moment, taking a deep breath. I had a dream about the angel you told me about, the one who told you about the, the baby. I felt slightly dizzy and white lights pulsed behind my eyes. I blinked rapidly. I didn't even realize I was holding my breath. Then Joseph looked back at me. He told me, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. His voice was surprisingly steady now. For the child that is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus? I breathed, my eyes filling again. I guess I wasn't dried up. Joseph nodded, his tears mirroring my own. And the angel also said that all of this, he motioned around the room with his free hand, to me and my small rounded belly, to us. All of this was to be done so that it might be fulfilled by the prophet, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they are to call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us, I whispered, hope calming my frantic heart. God with us. Joseph nodded, and we just stared at one another for a moment, taking in deep breaths. Then he shrugged, and then I woke up. We both burst out laughing, breaking the tension that had filled the room since the moment he entered the house. So, I whispered, searching his eyes, you believe me? I believe, he said firmly. Will you marry me? I asked, because I had to. He threw back his head and laughed again, long, hard, joyfully. Yes, Mary, I will marry you. I smiled slightly to myself, a warm glow filling my chest as I remembered. The last five months had not been easy. My parents still did not believe me, and my long-planned wedding was rushed forward. They wanted to marry me off before I started to show, and tongues started to wag. None of us could escape the gossip, though. Our neighbors knew when our wedding was, and when the baby was due. I became a pariah in our village. My childhood friends were painfully polite to me. Our old intimacy gone, and the older women turned away from me at the well when I went to fetch water for the day. And my mother, my precious, beloved mother, was cold and distant. 
never asking me how I felt, never asking about the baby. I shifted my aching hips on the hard ground, cradling my head on my arms as I lay on my right side, facing the fire. Joseph returned from visiting with his family and lay down behind me on the blanket, tucking me in close to his warm body. He laid a large hand with his strong, square fingers gently on my belly. I felt that, he said quietly as the baby gave a firm kick. I chuckled. I certainly felt it too. I heard the smile in his voice and I smiled too. I felt so safe in his arms and a familiar sense of wonder that he actually married me and that I was his wife. Well, sort of, I mused, soon. We were bound as husband and wife under God, as Joseph did not hesitate in his obedience to the angel's message. But we did not live as husband and wife in the intimate sense. Not yet. Joseph wanted to wait until the baby was born. He was determined to fully honor the sacred genesis of the babe in my womb. As we lay together, drifting off to sleep, another tightening stole over my body. I caught my breath, but not out of pain, but because my very breath felt squeezed out of me. Joseph popped up, pulling the blanket off of both of us. Is it time? Not yet, you silly man, I said, waving him to lie down again. I pulled his arm back around me and snuggled closer. But soon. This ends part one of Mary's story. Thank you so much for listening. I will be uploading part two later this week. But if you just can't wait, you can head over to my blog, thebamblog.com and search for Mary's story and you can find part two and part three. Thanks everybody. Merry Christmas. Are you going through the unexpected right now, this very moment? I've been there too. In my book, Unexpected, Learning to Love Your Unpredictable Story, I delve into many of the unexpected circumstances of my life. An unexpected twin pregnancy, autism ADHD diagnosis for my sons, a devastating miscarriage, the loss of my career, dealing with depression and anxiety, being a military wife, and so much more. My book is faith-based, so it may not speak to you in your personal journey. However, I strive to be inclusive and encouraging and not preachy, and women who don't have a personal faith tradition have told me that it has encouraged them. My hope and prayer is that as you are going through this unexpected season, my story will encourage you and provide comfort and support as you bravely walk this unfamiliar path. You can find Unexpected, Learning to Love Your Unpredictable Story on Amazon in print, Kindle, and audiobook format, because if you're a busy mom like me, audiobooks may be the only way you're reading these days. This is an excerpt from my audiobook, Unexpected, Learning to Love Your Unpredictable Story. For this month, anyone who signs up to be a $3 patron on Patreon will receive a free audible download of the whole book. If you become a $5 patron, I will send you a signed hard copy of the book. Chapter 9, Transitions I don't think I do transitions very well, I told my counselor. How do I go through this military transition gracefully? After 11 years of marriage, I stopped saying no to my husband's desire to become a military officer, and we were about to leap into a completely different life. Yet even after I talked through my fears, expectations, and thought patterns with my counselor about my future, I still didn't have a clear, put-your-finger-on-it answer. How do you go through transitions gracefully, I asked myself. 
How do you accept change, even good change, when the world you are stepping into is completely unknown? I thought about other transitions I've gone through, some that nearly did me in, like becoming a mom to twin boys at the age of 23, getting an autism diagnosis for our son when he was eight, struggling with breastfeeding my fourth son, and quitting my job after I worked so hard in grad school to become a university English instructor. But this military transition has been one of the most challenging. My husband jokes that we aren't starting a new chapter in our lives. We're starting a whole new volume. Somehow, though, it's a small comfort to know that transitions are a part of what it means to be human. The only constant is change, right? There's transition in starting and ending a job. There is pain in the transformation of becoming a parent for the first time, and pain and adjustment in an empty nest. There are health transitions and wealth transitions. There is death of loved ones, pets, relationships, and dreams. I've done more stumbling than waltzing through my life transitions, fumbling in the dark for something called normal, and I think that's where I've missed the mark. I've been searching for normal. When I had my twins, the life I knew dissolved before my eyes. I spent weeks, months trying to cling to my pre-kids life, my past identity, my marriage, friendships, body image, time management, hobbies, sleep, the life as I knew it before kids. But the thing is, my pre-kids life was gone. Poof, it was no more. And the harder I tried to get back to that place, that old normal, the more frustrated, confused, and discontent I became about my life. I couldn't go back. I could only move forward. There's grief in the moving forward, in the unclenching of fingers from dreams and memories that are already slipping away. There's grief in the letting go. It's hard to say goodbye, especially to a life well-lived, a season of satisfaction, to the familiar, to what feels like home. I don't know what the future holds, but as I go through this transition, I'm clinging to faith that God still has so much good in store for me in the future, despite all of the unknowns. Embracing the grief, believing in the good, moving forward, maybe those are the keys to graceful transition. Meditation moment. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Isaiah 43, 2a, 18-19 Are you going through a time of transition right now? Write down three things that you are grieving over. Take some time to be sad. Write down three things that you're looking forward to in the future. Ask God to help you anticipate the good things He has planned for you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to receive an audio version of my book or a hard copy, please visit patreon.com slash themotherhoodmetamorphosis. Regular interview episodes will be back next week. Thanks so much for supporting this show.